Welcome to episode 91 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hadfield, and today we're going to have a chat to Gerald McPherson. Now, Gerald is one of the up-and-coming superstars of Aussie trail running. He's had a bit of a bumper year for 2021 so far, with a win at the Archie 50K down at Mount Buller, a win on the gruelling Mount Solitary ultramarathon course in April, and podium finish in the UTA 50K just in May. He's about to embark on his first 100k race, the Guzzler, up in up in Brisbane. So let's hope he can get across uh, Anastasia's border before that one. Uh, but we, we chat to him about his uh, his build up into his first 100k and his success during 2021. Now Gerald is a uh, is, is a 32 minute 10k guy, two hour 33 at the Melbourne Marathon a couple of years back. So he's got some serious speed and he's transferring that across to the trail running world. He's also a, uh, received a bachelor degree in neuroscience and he's about to finish his medical degree. So he's a super smart, clever guy. He's trying to pick his brain on a few bits and pieces. And, uh, yeah, he, he's got a lot of good stuff to say, one of the true gentlemen of trail running and running in general. But before we get on to Gerald, I'd just like to thank our podcast partners. So Goo Energy, Fractal Performance Running Headwear, I guess, these days, Ranala, Precision Hydration, Raid Light, Diamond Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude. And we actually have a new sponsor coming on board, a new podcast partner, the Cronulla Beer Company. So we're pumped to be able to uh, link up with these guys, local local brewers, good mates of the show, Goodsy and Wags. Uh, we've just been testing out their, their new beer, the, the Hazy. They've got an Ultra Haze IPA and the Next Level XBA. So some cracking beers to have a, have a go at, and we're going to be testing them out during our podcast over the coming months. Uh, but by all means, jump on cronullabeerco.com.au and check out the merch and, and, and grab yourself some beer. It's absolutely delicious stuff. All right, without further ado, we'll get on to Gerald. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Gerald McPherson. How are you, mate? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, good to be here. Yeah. We've, uh, we, we've seen you have a pretty spectacular 2021 so far, mate. You've done yeah. done exceptionally well. Lucky to get a few races in. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll chat about uh, the success, but where, whereabouts are you currently residing? You you look like you're well out of the, the Sydney bubble right now. <laughs> currently, we're in Armadale, um, land of Barnaby Joyce. So it's it's great being here. Um Oh, it would it be about a thousand nine hundred thousand meters? So a little bit, a little bit of altitude, not too much. Um, usually I'm in Orange, and I, it's perfect being in there. Um, we've got Mount Canobles right on our doorstep, so perfect training. Um, there's a few other like the park run community in Orange, great. There's a few sort of sharp runners around, so it's actually it's yeah, Orange is a lot of fun for, for running. So and and yeah, what is nice. the uh, the elevation in Orange? It's, it's pretty high up on the range, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think we we sort of live, I don't know, just under a 1,000 or something like that. And then okay. I think Mount Canobles is like 1,400 or something like that. So it's it's decent. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. 
significant. Friend of the show, Scott Hazelton's trying to drag us up to Mount Canobolis. He, he's dead keen to put a race on up there. So, yeah, one day, one day running. Yeah, it'd there. be fun. It'd be fun. I mean, they've got the uh, got the uh, Great Volcanic Mountain Challenge, but it's only 11K, so it doesn't suit us, us ultra runners. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice if, you know, we could put a 50 on over there. We can, I'm sure Scott could show you a few courses. <laughs> I've got no doubt. A few courses and then potentially a few wines and beers afterwards. It, uh, he's, oh, a good, he's a good man. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you grew up in uh, beautiful downtown Scone, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what was your introduction into the running world, Gerald? Oh, I think I'd, I was really lucky. We had a great introduction to running. So, we, I mean, we used to do... A lot of school cross country um and i think it all started there and i think dad so mom and dad used to do a bit of running and we all ran with them so my brother sister and i and then i think we showed a little bit of talent and so dad decided as most dads do to take us on as 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 the coach and we actually had a little little running group in scone um that we used to do a little cross country courses around so we grew up on a horse farm um and so dad had mapped with the old trundle wheel or the truck had mapped out you know 5ks or 3ks or a 10k course and we used to do training all together um in a little group of about six of us and that went on for a few years um and that was great it was great fun it was a really good introduction to running um i think having people to train with but also just the enjoyment factor of it was was great as well Unreal. And most, uh, you know, most reasonable runners are quite willing to downplay people's, you know, achievements or results. What kind of a runner was your old man? Was he, uh, was he pretty handy in his time? Oh, he was pretty lazy, to be honest. <laughs> 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 yeah, in his younger days, I think he'd be the first person to tell you that he didn't really try very hard. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where we got out because, you know, my sister was an absolute, oh, she was a prodigy. Um, and my brother's just, you know, the hardest worker. So I think I got a lot of, I, I think I earned a lot of hard work from, from my brother, but yeah, he, he wasn't that, he, I think he ran sub two as a, as a, I think a junior, not, not super quick, um, but handy, uh, but he didn't really want to do much of the longer stuff. He was now too lazy. Yeah. So, um, I mean, now though, he's, he's absolutely crushing it now. So he's, oh, man. Yeah, wins a lot of his age groups. He ran the ran the twenty two at UTA and loved it. And I think he's just decided that he wants to do more of the ultras now, which is excellent, excellent. I think sensational. Yeah. And and, yeah. and what was it like being coached by the old man as a youngster? Were you, you know one of these people that listened all the time, or was it a bit tough um, to take it from him? Look, he was hard, but he wasn't, I think he wasn't that hard. I think he really enjoyed coaching us, to be honest. Um, and he was really passionate about it. Um, but he was never too hard on us and he never put too many expectations on us. And I think we put a, put a lot of those on ourselves and we were all pretty competitive. So he didn't necessarily need to push us that hard. But yeah, I think being coached, I don't know, I guess I didn't really know any different, to be honest. Um but yeah, I like it. it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I think it was a lot of fun training with my brother, training with my sister and, you know, training with the other few guys that we had in the squad. But I think it's really been nice for sort of, you know, our sibling relationship as well. Like my brother and I still train together sometimes and then my sister and I still run a bit together as well. So I think that was really nice. I think that's one thing that's brought us all together 
as a family now. And I think, yeah, all I mean, all of us in the family now run. So my mum's just taking it up as well. He's been so, dra- dragged along yeah. the streaming. Yeah. yeah. What was so uh, I think that was sorry, go. Oh no, no, no. I was just gonna say, like, I think I think having having him as a coach really sort of um yeah, it was just nice to be able to do something all together as a family. And I think that's something we do together now as well, which is just great. We all go to events together. We all, you know, book our column together. So it's good fun. Yeah, it's really good fun. That's unreal. And, and what about the the healthy competition, brother and sisterly sort of rivalry there? Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, my sister was in another league. <laughs> she was... You know, when my brother and I were struggling to get through to state, she was crushing it. So we we thought we couldn't really compete there, to be honest. She was always dad's favourite, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my brother and I, I mean, only being 18 months apart, we always sort of had quite a bit of healthy competition. Um, I think we had, um, there was, we had a little sort of 5K course that we used to do a lot and it was out on one of the back paddocks. And I think I've only managed to beat him once. <laughs> So that was, and I think that was when he was about 15. I was about, you know, 13 and yeah, did him in. That was, that was excellent. Um, but otherwise he's so much quicker than I am over, over 10, over a marathon, over five. Like he's, he's a lot faster than I am. So I've just decided to go the longer stuff. So, <laughs> well, I, I yeah, guess, get yeah. out of his realm. <laughs> that, that brings yeah. us to the, I guess the next question. Why, why the long stuff for you? Is, is it, well I mean I really enjoyed it um the first one that I did was you know an absolutely unprepared UTA 22 I'd never run the course um I think Ben you could, you could ask Ben St Lawrence Keith and I was first training run it was hilarious it was out on we decided to do from um oh out along not Naranek um first part of six foot so down Nellies down to Cox's and then back up and we didn't know how long it would take. We were like, oh, 30K, that's fine. Yeah, we've done that before. Done it on the road. Yeah, yeah, cool, no worries. Um, took no water. <laughs> and it was a blistering day. We got down to the river and, um, yeah, we were like cactus. And so we came back and at Megalong Road, um, one of the boys, oh, I was like, he saved my life. <laughs> he had a bowl of water. And I think it was about a litre and he gave it to me. I just smashed the whole thing. It's like, oh, mate, you look a bit thirsty. And I was like, yeah, I was. So that that was basically the introduction we had to, I guess, ultra training. Yeah. Um, and then my first race was the 22, which I think I can credit. One of my um, one of my bosses signed me up to it and just basically said, oh, yeah, you can do it. You'll be fine. And um, I was still getting trained by Gary at the time. And Gary was like, yeah, you know, get out there and do some course training. And I just didn't. I was like, oh, it's 22Ks, I'll be fine. And I think it's the first time that I've had to walk in a race. <laughs> so I got to about 15, 16K and I was like, oh, gee, I'm bucket. Um, and, yeah, Lucy Bartholomew went past me at that point. I was a bit bummed. But, yeah, kept on going and just, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. And then decided, oh, you know, I'll bugger it. I'll sign up for six foot and um, had a similar experience at six foot, got absolutely smashed, but that was fine. Um, and then, yeah, I decided to actually pull my finger out and do some course training and, yeah, signed up for the first, uh, my first 50 at UTA and that was 2019 and 2019, had a good yeah. run. It was yeah. great fun. Yeah. 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 Unreal. Yeah. I, I love that you've, yeah. uh, you've had a bad day for your first foot track. Uh, it's, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's had a bad day. <laughs> sub sub four hours, another. 350 yards. Still not oh, a bad day, yeah, really, mate. It's, it's a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... So we're into the long stuff then and um, had, yeah. had a reasonable sort of 2019. You, you, you ran a couple of road yeah. marathons in that same year. So you sort of mixing it up between the trail. And well, the look, I thought I felt bad because, look, I'd, I hadn't done a marathon before I did the UTA, before I did UTA. And I had, you know, I hadn't done, I hadn't done a marathon before I read six foot. And so I thought, well, you know, I should check it off. I should, I should do it. I should do it. So trained for it, did Dubbo, and we actually got a perfect day for Dubbo. Dubbo was, that was an absolutely amazing day for it. And so that was my first in 2019. And I think I was pretty happy with the day, but yeah, I think the funniest story was, so my brother who hadn't finished Melbourne before it, he's just sort of had a bit of a habit of not finishing marathons. And he got about 37 Ks in and I ran past him and he's on the side of the road and I've got a massive stitch and he's just keeled over on the side of the road. And there's a few, you know, mother hens that are around him clucking over him, worrying about, you know, what's going on. Cause it was a lap course. And so they're, they're fussing over him and I just ran up to him and pulled him off the ground and they're just in hysterics wondering what's going on here. What's this bloke doing? And I uh, just told him, you know, nah, he's my brother and he's definitely finishing this race. We're only 5K from the finish. And I'm like, look, I can get him through. We could definitely get him through this race. So he'd gone out at blistering pace, being unprepared and, um, yeah, paid the price. And Anyway, we both finished and we both had a, you know, I think he finished a couple of minutes behind me and I was stuffed and he was stuffed. And we had a great day. It was, it was a good finish. So, so you, yeah, you, that was, that was my introduction to, to marathon running. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're giving your brother some first aid and, and still yeah. run a 2.36 in the process, mate. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's going pretty yeah. well. Um, yeah. what, what, what did you learn out of that first marathon, mate? What, what oh, I mean, I think fueling, I mean, I've always had a problem with fueling. I think fueling in a marathon, I find so much harder than fueling in, a, in an ultra now, now particularly anyway. Um, I think that's one thing that I really struggle with. I mean, not necessarily maintaining the pace. Like you sort of just get used to ticking over whatever pace that you're doing, but the fueling in a marathon, I, I struggled with, you know, getting water down, getting fuel down. And I think, you know, just really paying for it later on. Um, I think, yeah, I struggled with it in Melbourne as well. And then, yeah, continued to struggle with it. Not sure if I'll have another crack, but maybe. <laughs> And so, I mean, talk, talking about struggling to get that fuel down, how, how much mm. are you getting in during a 2.36 and then a 2.33 marathon? How, how many gels are you able to stomach or how much fuel? <laughs> I got one in in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. so 100 so was, calories in two Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> um, and I remember um, Gary saw me at, I think he saw me at 5K or something like that, told me I look like a bit of an asshole so <laughs> um <laughs> excuse the French <laughs> but uh yeah he told me I looked like I'd only had one gel and you know yeah. I wasn't, wasn't too impressed with that considering I was at 35k I was pretty cranky um but I actually managed to get a fair bit oh, I, I got more down in um in Dubbo we saw it, it was it was great like the the guys that were actually crewing the course was, it was it was great we got stuff handed to us every lap. I have my little pop tops as well. I decided to do that. That was a great idea because, you know, just put the little, put the uh, towel in, in there and, and take that down. And that was perfect. 
Um, but I think just finding, it took me a while to really find out what sort of gels would work, what sort of fuel would work. Um, my brother, on the advice of my brother, tried high fives. <laughs> I just, I spilled it all over myself. So really I think that was one thing. Oh, it's so liquid. And they're huge. It's like carrying a bottle around. And I think um, that was one thing that I decided not to do in Melbourne and never to go for high fives again because they basically just ended up all over me and your hands get sticky and you're already cranky and then it's just not very enjoyable, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> just to let the listeners yeah. know, goo gels aren't that liquidy and much easier to get down. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah, shout out like to the a treat too. Yeah. <laughs> It was like a little treat. It's great. <laughs> yeah, spot on, spot on. So, yeah, you knocked out a, a 233 marathon in Melbourne yep. and then obviously, yep. you know, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty lean run for everyone in Australia for 2020. But we've come out yeah. and uh, we've run the Archie 50K in February around Mount Buller. Hmm. Um, I believe you weren't supposed to run 50K that day. You were gearing up for your first 100K. What, what, what yeah. Happened? Yeah, so... Um, I was, I was super excited for my first hundred. I've been training basically. I'd had a bit of a, a bit of a, a really, really good block leading um, all the way over summer. Um, it was hard training, but it was, I just, I just had a great block and I was really looking forward to punching out a hundred. Particularly um, on a tough course as well. Um, but they got affected by the five day snap lockdown. And <laughs> so uh, the organisers said, which is completely fair enough, that logistically it would be impossible for them to get out there and mark the 100K course. And so they decided to do either, you had the option of doing um, two 50K, so two laps of the Archie, so one in clockwise, one counterclockwise, uh, but over two days. So you do one on one day, do one on the next day. And I just decided, look, that's, yeah. that's not a proper 100K. <laughs> so um, decided to just sort of throw my hat in the ring and do the 50. Um, and I, like, I, I, I mean, I was really happy with my run. Um, it was pretty hot, to be fair, for Mount Buller. Mm. Um, I had a singlet on and that was quite unusual. Um, I mean, there was a bloke that had no shirt on. Um, Sir Bert of no shirt. Um, what a great man. <laughs> um, yeah. We saw him come over the first day and everyone was like, goodness me, what an Adonis. Um, anyway, he was, that was great. Was, but uh, so the, we had the, um, yeah, so I, I mean, fueling again, I struggled a little bit. Um, didn't quite get, as much as I wanted down again, it was pretty hot. I think I, my stomach got a bit upset that run, but look, I just, you know, just punched it out. Um, the first, I can't remember the name of the spur, but it was, it was absolutely, it was, uh, it was crushing. The first, I think, you know, there was a section that was like seven and a half K and it was 1200 meters downhill. And there was a fellow that had much longer legs than I did. And uh, <laughs> we got to the bottom of that and I was stuffed. Um, and I mean, luckily I ended up sneaking past him and put a bit of ground between him and I, um, that was Joe Dorf. He's an absolutely great bloke. Um, so I put a bit of ground between him and then hit the slopes, um, about, I guess, 30 K and yeah, it was a struggle. I really wish I packed poles for that run because yeah, okay. 
everybody else had pulse and I yeah. didn't. Did you just feel um, left out really, or did you think that would be useful? I felt left out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, mate, I would have looked a lot cooler. So, um, and it would have made, because there were just some pinches, like as opposed to, you know, your gentle, well, not gentle, but um, you sort of, uh, you know, your numbers and that sort of business where it's, it's you know, 7Ks of, of um, you know, whatever it is, great, but it's it's a bit, it's a bit more manageable if you haven't got poles, but some of these run, some of these slopes were just really steep and I just got, I just got buckled. Um, and then, yeah, just like, just, I sort of maintained the distance towards, towards, I think I just staved him off for the last 25K. Um, and then, like I said before, it was really nice actually having, cause they started the hundred K an hour and a half before us. And I can't imagine navigating the, that really technical downhill section with a headlight. That would have been impossible. So kudos to those guys. But it was really nice having people to cheer you on and having people to sort of, you know, give you a high five and then even having people to chase the whole way. Um, yeah. And then I guess oh, the I, I, I probably should talk about the downhill part. So the, the finish was horrendous um so it was this <laughs> i mean i don't know who thought it was a great idea because it's definitely not um but it was you know like it was a beautiful beautiful course and going i mean going up to the summit after we with with about a k to go was the hardest thing ever i think i was taking 40 to 50 steps and then stopping and having a breather oh really <laughs> yeah and then i turned around and saw joe behind me i thought yeah better walk a bit faster so anyway i got to the top took my little you know ripped a little page out of the book um in true barkley fashion and uh headed off down the hill and met my sister at the bottom of the hill and she was like oh you know let's go let's go let's go let's finish you, you nearly finished and uh, she's trying to have a chat to me and I'm like, look, you know, I, I really can't talk. I'm really, I'm, I'm absolutely buggered. Um, and the last part of it was where we actually came up. So it was a sort of like tiled cobblestone you know, classic ski, slope, ski slopes, um, uh, like paving. And anyway, we're going down there and it's, it's hugely steep. And then you've got these massive gutters in between it. And all I'm thinking on the way down is, dude, I really don't want to, you don't want to fall over. <laughs> don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, I got to the finish and, um, yeah, so I think this is the first time that my mum's been genuinely concerned about me as well. Normally she's fine. She's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't fuss. Don't fuss. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. Um, and, yeah, she was she was fussing. She's an emergency nurse and she was fussing. Are you okay? Do you need anything? I'm like, yeah, mom, just, you know, leave me alone. I'll be fine. Give me five, ten minutes and I'll be, I'll be all right. But, you, just uh, look, you looked that bad at the finish line. That's oh, it's cactus yeah. after heart to heart. Absolutely cactus. Um, I think I've just repetitively done this to myself after races. I think I just know how to bury myself. <laughs> Clearly, mate, um, you've, you've yeah. come, through, come through for first, so you've buried yeah. yourself more successfully yeah. than anyone in the race. Yeah. So you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was okay. That was yeah. fine. Joe looked a lot better than I did when I finished. So I'll definitely say that. He came over the line and I was still on the ground. So, yeah. yeah. Mate, I've anyway. said it before, everyone looks good on the top step of the podium. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you must have looked okay. Well, and they so, actually gave me a, a little a little medal saying, you know, congratulations on finishing day two of Heart to Heart. And I was like, oh, hang on, 
uh, hang on, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I just finished the, the, the 50. Can I, can I get to the first place one, please? <laughs> so she ended up, yeah, she made a mistake, but uh, yeah, hey, that was okay. Easily understood. <laughs> it's disappointing when you've got to ask for your gold medal. That's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Apparently, I won some bloke a bet. They, they didn't think that I could finish under six hours. So I was like, I'll take it for that. No worries. Well done. Earn some money for someone. And so yeah. you moved on from one very techy, very hilly uh, ultra marathon to the next one, basically. So Mount Mount Solitary yeah. in, in April. Yeah. Another, yeah. another victory. So congratulations on that one. Um, Thank you. What's uh, what's attracting you to the you know super techy, super climby kind of? Oh, I think it's to be honest. Um, I think you know my dad and I can both agree on this. The racing is just so much more interesting. Um, you know, as opposed to a marathon where you know no no disrespect to a marathon. A marathon is just an absolute feat in its own regard. But it's it's very much you sort of running your own race. It's, you know, you're banging out three thirties or whatever it is that you want to bang out. You sort of you against the clock. But I think the fact that every course in an ultra is different uh, and every race is different as well, it's, it's, it's purely just, you know, you're sure you're looking at the course record and stuff, but it's a race. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's just, it, it's very much, very much feels like a race. Yeah, it's very tactical, which I quite like. And you've sort of got to plan for a lot more things. You know, you're like, oh, I don't want to be stuffed at 25K, even though you end up being stuffed at 25K. But it just, I think it requires a lot more thinking um, and a lot more uh, planning, but it's just a lot more interesting as well. And it's nice that there's, you know, apart from the fact that, and even, even you know, within the course itself, you might have a hot day, you might have a cold day, you might have wind, you might have rain. So I think year to year, there's not really that many comparisons, but also there's not that many comparisons. Like a race is a race. Um, you know, you can't compare someone's marathon. You can compare people's marathon times, but... You know, you can't say, oh, this, you know, I did solitary 50K and then I did UTF 50K, so they're the same, but they're just not. So no, they're just I think not. that's, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like it. And, you know, solitary certainly got uh, some really specifically different components to the race. Like, obviously, the mm. very techie, very climby section up and over the top of Mount Solitary. And then mm. it's got a heaps of quick, runnable stuff, like, through through the midsection yeah. there. So yeah. you do have to plan and, and change your racing accordingly for sure. Mm. You um, uh, take the lesson from the Archie 50K and go buy yourself a set of poles, mate? Or I did. And- yeah, yeah, did. I did. I did. I think there's a really good photo of me, and I'm like, I've got my poles out, and I'm hiking. It's excellent. Yeah, Scott sent it to me, actually. So I was like, <laughs> oh, great. that's actually not that photo. Um, okay. So they were useful yeah, up the side of the hill? Oh, perfect. They, they absolutely saved me. Um, so I was just chasing Brendan um, and I said, oh, you know, he's, he's a local mountain guide. He knows the way. He knows how fast to go. Um, so I think it was just about following it. Plus, I decided that I wasn't going to lead because leading's a bad idea for me uh, usually. So, yeah, follow Brendan. Um, and, yeah, the poles were oh, perfect. Climbing the, climbing the really steep sections of... Um, of Mount Solitary, but even doing Ferber as well. Like I use, I whipped them out up Ferber and they were perfect. But then also coming back up Canumba as well. That just right, excellent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, unreal. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, and, and so I mean, we, we spoke, you know, briefly before, you, you don't have the longest legs in the world, that's for sure. Do you, do you find yourself uh, running up more stuff than hiking? 
does that yeah. play into it? Yeah. 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 So my partner always tells me off because <laughs> whenever we go, I find I've just had it easier for some reason as well. I think it was just the fact that I didn't start and didn't plan on doing ultras really. Um, and I think I'm just used to running as opposed to hiking or walking. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, like I, I really quite enjoy, I'll just sort of drop my, you know, increase my cadence and drop my stride length back and just work on, on getting on, on staying running. Even I like running up the whole way, you know, if it's, if I can run the whole way up Canumba, if I can run the whole way up further, um, things like that. I think it's, I think, yeah, that it's something that I've just gotten used to something that I just kind of trained for. Mm. Um, I mean, I definitely didn't run back. You know, the whole way up Mount Solitary, I was pretty buggered. Um, it's good yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, obviously, if you've got the engine to maintain that, you know, that turnover of your legs, then it's, it's mm. the quickest way to get from A to B. And probably the yeah, most apparently. Efficient way to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes, yeah. Makes sense to me. Makes sense. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We've got 100 to do. So, hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the 100K. In a sec, I want to move on, I guess, to the, the next month. So we've, we've lined up for Ultra Trail 50K. You've had a pretty yeah. sort of pretty stacked kind of start to the year there, like third yeah. 50K race in about three months. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you think that's too much racing or do you think it was the right kind of prep? Oh, I mean, looking at how much some of the other Ultra guys race, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I thought... I don't know. I really enjoyed my prep for it. Um, and oh, I, I just wanted to come back again. I had a bone to pick from last year and apparently now I've got another bone to pick again. So I'll be back again, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like racing. Um, I really, really enjoy doing the longer stuff, particularly with some of the shorter stuff interspersed. Um, like I think, you know, throwing a few 10Ks in, is always helpful as well just to sort of keep the speed ticking over but yeah really i really enjoyed doing like solitary and then backing up and then doing uta it sort of keeps your motivation running from race to race really um and i think having enough time to taper down a little bit just after like have a week off after solitary and then get back into some training again and i think i i had i came off a great base over over summer um preparing for heart to heart and then, you know, rolling straight into solitary and then rolling straight into UTA. So I just, it was uninterrupted. It was excellent. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Unreal. I, I, I want to dive into the ultra trail 50 K a little bit. So yeah, third yeah. place, third place overall <laughs> in time of yeah. four hours, 38. And yeah. we're talking about racing before a lot of the time we don't see a great deal of actual racing in these longer ultra. Yeah. So there's people out there on their own, but this particular race, you know, you come in third, the first time is 4.35, second place 4.37, mm. and you're in 4.38. Mm. This is a race. Mm. And, mm. and you're you're out in front for a long period of time. Did, did you feel like yeah. you were racing <laughs> this one? Um, I mean, <laughs> I had flashbacks in 2019. So, <laughs> um, yeah, getting, ret, getting run down by Rhett. Um, first at 47k was not fun considering we were talking about it just before the race and then we were talking about it during the race telling me how some fella had carked it at 47k and then that ended up being me so that wasn't great fun um but it was I like I, I really just you know 
I tried to, I think I've, you know, I've got experience on UTA. I knew the course. I'd trained on the course a lot. Um, I'd had success on solitary and I think I probably tried to apply what I'd done in solitary to the 50 um, in that I just was like, oh, I'll just go, I'll go out with whoever wants to lead. And Luke Taylor took the first 6K and he's a gun over 10K. And um, the first sort of 6K was pretty sharp. And I remember him leading to me and saying, oh, man, you know, is this, do we usually go this slow? And I was like, well, actually, usually we go a bit slower. <laughs> so um, that was interesting. And old Tommy, Tommy Brimlow was hanging out behind us. He was probably 50, 100 metres back at that point. And I was like, I should probably, I should probably be with him. He's a really good racer. He's really smart. So I should probably be with him. But I didn't. I ran with Luke and ran with Courtney. And we were Jane Courtney up the whole way. Uh, poor old Courtney. But... Um, we got to, oh, I think, just down Giant Staircase and Mark Green popped along because he's really sharp down the stairs and that was fine. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just go with Mark. Um, so I ran with Mark for a little bit and then Courtney uh, took off and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, just go, I'll just go with Courtney. I basically was just following who was wanting to lead at this point because it had worked well for me in the past. And then Courtney... And I was sort of, you know, looking at each other thinking, oh, how far should we be going really? Um, and look, we managed all the stairs really well. Um, I was getting down plenty of fuel, which is probably one of the first races apart from solitary that I'd actually managed to get down quite a lot, mm. um, which was great. And then so Courtney and I were putting, putting along, putting along, putting along. And um, I thought I'd put a bit of gap between him and I. And then he, yeah. He re- resurfaced again at at uh, Queen Vic Hospital, and so I was like, "All right, I know, we're on here." Um, and so we kind of both punched it down the hill, and yeah, I just I was fine, and even getting to Helipad, like I'd sort of lost touch with him as soon as we started climbing, and got to Helipad, and I felt fine. I was like, "Great, you know, I'm in a good position again." Um, <laughs> I thought, "Okay, let's you know, let's see how we go." And got a bit tired coming out of the helipad, managing, still managing the hills okay. And then got to about, it was definitely later at this point as well. So gotten to, I think, 47K or something like that and just felt crook as a dog. Um, and yeah, just uh, vomited all over the path. <sighs> <laughs> oh that was you um so everything yeah that was me <laughs> everything that i'd had in the last hour and a half all my heart all my hard work uh yeah it was just uh painted all over the, all over. it was it was it was large it was anyway that was horrible um i felt okay because the nausea had gone and so i felt okay for about k and then hit for hit 48k and um was just struggling to walk <laughs> and there was a family of hikers that were next to me and this little fella uh who would have been about 10 looked at his mum and looked at me and was like oh gee mum I don't think he's I don't think he looks very good <laughs> and I definitely didn't look very good at this point and I was sort of just holding on to the uh like holding on to some of the railings there trying to get my breath um and yeah tom went past me just below the base of the stairs and i was like you know what a good race he's planned it so well mm. you know, good tactician 
Um, Mons did the stairs coming out and then, yeah, Luke got me about 300 metres to go and I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I even had my cheer squad there and I let them down. So. <laughs> but no, that was great. Look, I'm happy for those blokes. They raced really well. Um, I love Tom. He's such a great fella. He's so down to earth. Um, yeah, him and I have had a good rivalry. So I'll be happy to race him again. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. unreal. And, and like... I, I like the idea of this sort of tactical kind of race. So yeah. when you're going into Ultra Trail 50, are you yeah. trying to win the race or are you looking for a certain time? Um, I think this time around I was – I look, I, I always just want to win. Um, look, of course it's great. I, of course, I think the first time I did it, um, I think, and particularly having a road background as well, you sort of focus a lot on the times. Times are a big thing. Um and I think the first time that I did it, I was like, look, this would be great if we could get under such and such time. And Rhett and I were really on target. We ran together for most of it and we were on time. We are on target. And, yeah, that bombed me out. That was fine. Um, but this time around, I really just wanted to win. But I think – and I think I just wanted to put as much ground between me and the fellows that were behind me. And I think I just probably put a bit – put a bit too much <laughs> and just paid for it. It's just at the wrong times. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll learn from that, hopefully. Uh, yeah, but I think I've definitely turned the corner and decided that, look, racing's racing. Um, I don't really care that much about times anymore. Look, a good time is a good time, but I don't ever think that I would have been in touch with someone like Scotty Hawker's record. It's, that solitary that thing is absolutely untouchable i don't know how he did it um but uh yeah look a win wins a win absolutely absolutely and and look i guess in terms of that tactical race how do you think you'd learn from that ultra trail 50k in terms of gauging your effort um i think and i think one thing that i'm getting better at is um good red flag for me it's being able to keep a it's being able to keep fuel down b it's um like if i'm pushing to the point where i'm feeling sick and i sort of get a few normally get a few warning bells before i'm feeling like i'm gonna vomit um and i think as soon as i'm getting that you know a bit of nauseous or a bit of nausea just backing off a tiny bit um i think that's something that i've learned and will continue to learn because i think I mean, if I can keep fuel down, but I think also particularly going to something like a hundred, um, I've really focused most of my, most of my training has been on, you know, trying to stay within a realm where I'm not feeling sick, where I can feel like I can have a bit of food and keep it down and keep some fuel down and just keep going. Um, I think that's probably <laughs> very, very specific, <laughs> May not very, very, very sensitive, but I think that's that's a really good marker. It's a good marker for me. It's just being able to keep my stomach happy, particularly in those longer races, because um, I find that it's just been something that's brought me undone so many times um, that if I can keep my fuel down and if I can push myself but not to a point where I'm feeling sick, I think that that's been my best markers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and so do you think that's primarily driven by – effort and intensity rather than the types of fuel that you're trying to get in? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Gary, I think I was just trying to puzzle and puzzle and puzzle and work out where I'd gone wrong. I I think my fueling was perfect in UTA. I mean, I may have even had a bit too much, to be honest, because it was freezing. And I I just tried to keep down a lot of fluid. And um, I don't, I think I probably may have had a bit too much because, you know, there was, there, was, there was quite a lot that came up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, I yeah I think on reflection and you know after a few weeks of thinking about it and I had a chat to Gary um who's yeah my coach and he sort of said well you know what maybe you were just stuffed (laughs) maybe that was maybe that was the root of the problem um and yeah I think he was right (laughs) it's hard hard to argue with that because I was sort of you know grasping it yeah maybe I didn't have enough salt or maybe I didn't have enough this or that or maybe I didn't have enough fuel at the right point maybe I should have tried to get a bit earlier. And he goes, you know, maybe, maybe you were just stuffed. And I think a lot of that, you know, tit for tat with Courtney early on really just did me in, even though I didn't necessarily feel it at the point at the, at the time, I think it really brought me undone later on. Hmm. Yeah. And that's probably something that I've learned as well is that, you know, if you think you're going slow <laughs> at the start of a hundred, just go slower. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's rule number one. Yeah. Rule number yeah. one. And uh, we spoke to a winner of the 100K, Matt Pellow, a couple of weeks ago, um, mm. and he sort of famously ran the thing in a pair of next uh, percent, which is just outrageous. What, what outrageous. were you running in, mate? You uh, got the oh, great speed shoes goats. on? <laughs> speed goats. Speed yeah, yeah, I'm all about the speed goats. I'm a convert. Um, I think, what did I try first? I had some Brooks, and I really loved them. And then they changed them, and they broke my heart. Um, and then... I don't know who got me onto him, but someone, it might've even been the hocker rep, Brent, um, who I'm actually, yeah, good friends with. And he sort of just, oh, mate, you should you give him a crack. And it's just great. They're just so stable. Um, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm probably one person who doesn't necessarily think that having a carbon plate over a 50K to 100K is that much benefit. Maybe, I mean, some people do, but we did the, uh, the, um, I don't know if you I may not have heard. We had a 50K for run crew, which we ran out in, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, where was it? Oh, it was over the other side of the Blue Mountains. And it was excellent. It was it was good, really good fun. But I decided to run it in um, Endorphin Speeds and, sorry, Endorphin Pros. And the carbon plate just killed my shoes. Sorry, killed my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, it just got really quite hot, quite sore. And I think just comfort is more important in a longer race than anything else like if you can find a shoe that's comfortable that you're happy with that's stable yeah i just i, I don't i don't i don't know how much the next percent's made and i think that would vary person to person but if they're comfortable in that then 100 percent go for it yeah yeah for sure yeah. exactly super individual stuff mate so you've had you know 350k races over that period of time I'd like to know how you sort of specifically train for these events. Do you aim to stay, let's say, marathon fit? Are you aiming your intensity to half marathon fitness? Where, where does it sort of lie for you? Um, it's probably similar to the training that I did for a marathon, um, but the long run's obviously really different. So the long run for me has always been about focusing on things that I've had problems with. Um, so I guess the long run I could probably use as a bit of a problem-solving uh, exercise because I think having done a few events and particularly training for the 50 this time around, I think 
having a few events last time that I'd done and learned things from were things that I wanted to implement into my longer runs. Um, and so usually I guess my longer runs were getting up to like 50 day, um, <laughs> which is, you know, I wanted to, I sort of wanted to just replicate race day, but um, obviously going a lot slower, you know, the focus was on maintaining pace, keeping fuel down. Um, those were probably the most important things for me in a longer run. So that's definitely been a key part of my training that I've always really valued and really liked to get in. Um, and I think that was one thing that differed a lot between my long runs for a marathon versus long runs for ultras. So I guess my long run for a marathon was, you know, run four to four minute 15 pace for as long as you can. <laughs> and then just, it's, you just absolutely, I mean, I'm gassed after a five hour, but absolutely smashed after doing that. Um, but I think everything else has relatively been the same. So normally, you know, Mondays are pretty cruisy, like Mondays are sort of, you know, hour, hour 15, something like that. And then um, Wednesdays are about the same, maybe an hour and a half, hour 45 on Thursday as well. Um, I think one thing that I've probably been able to do more, particularly being out at Orange, is I've probably just been able to do a bit more climbing. So backing onto like Mount Canopolis and having that has just, I think, given my legs a bit more adaptation towards climbing and just getting used to climbing in general, which has been great. But I think keeping, I had a chat to, <laughs> I had a chat to my coach and asked him if I could, if I could ditch one of the Tuesday sessions in order to do a bit more. Um, you know, longer stuff, climbing stuff, a bit more technical stuff. And he said, no, don't be silly. You'll get slow. So <laughs> um, kept the Tuesdays in. Um, and they're like predominantly my Tuesdays are just, I guess, longer. So it's longer intervals um, with a shorter break than otherwise I would have previously done. So I guess, you know, your bread and butter sessions, like, you know, four or five 2K reps with a, you know, two-minute recovery um, and doing them probably not as quick as I was doing them, unfortunately, for uh, marathon training. But, um, yeah, I guess maintaining them between about, like, I don't know, 310, 315 pace. Um, I guess the focus on keeping them even as opposed to um, blowing out. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, one thing that I've learned is I think consistency is just, consistency is key. And I think I'm, I'm definitely not the only one that's been enlightened to that fact, but if you can have periods of being uninterrupted, um, particularly longer periods of time, it just, it's just, yeah, there's, there's nothing better than that. And you just feel so prepared for races going into them. If you've had that uninterrupted training block. Mm, yeah, for sure. And, and I think mm. the, uh, the, the 2020 sort of lack of racing has really showed that to a lot of people that that uninterrupted yeah. block has been yeah. useful in the right hands, I suppose. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I definitely had a few mates that went out and did some, you know, ridiculous games yeah. <laughs> in 2020. And I think everyone's had the same. And you just think, well, what are you doing that for? Yeah, we um, see some silly the only thing, that's for sure. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Physios must have been absolutely laughing last year. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and so you, you were then meant to uh, get stuck into a, a rerun of 100K, You're supposed to go to the Guzzler 100K in Brisbane. Um, yeah. when, when was that supposed to be run? Uh, so, well, the guzzle's actually going to be on a Saturday. So I'm, I'm in taper mode. Yeah. So okay. I actually had a 90-minute 90 um, long run yesterday, yeah. which was wild. Um, 
Yeah, unheard of. Um, so yeah, that it's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, I haven't done a hundred before, so it's I, I really, I really just want to give it a crack. Um, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm ready, I'm happy. Um yeah. hopefully Anastasia gets the borders open. I'm <laughs> 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 I'm 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 hopeful because you know she's on holidays right now. So perfect. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Sneak in during the night, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah oh, fantastic. Exactly. Fantastic. So yeah. nice, easy week this week. What does the yeah. uh, the guzzler profile look like, mate? How how fuel is this thing? Um, I think it's from what I've heard. It's it's. I mean, the only thing I'm worried about is going to be a bit hot because you know I've been in Orange, I've been in Arbidale, so it's I'm used to a, a proper winter. So I think yeah. that when I get to Brisbane, I'm going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening. I'm hoping there's not much humidity, and I'm hoping it's probably the coldest day that Brisbane gets this year which would be lovely. Um, but with regards to the profile of the course, I think there's, uh, there's, it's sort of a bit up and down as opposed to having tougher, longer sections. So I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to have to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I've had a look at the course profile and I was like, you know what, bugger it. You know, I'll just see how we go on the day. Um, yeah, I think there's a few climbs later in the run which hopefully i'll just go a bit easier in the first part of the run <laughs> have you uh, have you picked, picked out someone to stand behind like you, you follow brendan during you know, mount solitary you followed a couple yeah. during uta 50. Oh, have you picked a runner dang. out that you're gonna tag no i don't know i don't know who's doing it to be honest okay. um yeah that, i mean the positive thing about doing a lot of the runs around Sydney, around around Sydney, and you know having a having a um, a coach who's as fanatical as Gary is that he's he's definitely on to who's doing the race and who's in what form. Um, I mean, for UTA, I knew Tom was in form. He'd been running great, and he had just put a few races in. And I'd been watching his training, and he he bagged a lot of really good long runs. It's so on you; he was in shape, but. For this one, I just I, I don't know who's doing it. I don't know who's running. Um, I know that it's Ben Nuffles' backyard, but yeah, I mean maybe maybe we show face. I don't think so. Um, I guess he did BTU, which is BTU thirty or something, and had a cracker with Aiden Hobbs, which was <laughs> great to see. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know who's doing it. So I guess I'll just tag on to whoever's in front and see how we go. <laughs> Sorry to whoever does that. I mean, maybe they'll be too quick for me. Maybe, hopefully. So. You don't know. Mate, just yeah. find the guy with the best-looking kit and stand behind him. Oh, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, that's how I used to base mine. You said, you know, the, the little cross-country thing. You'd see who was wearing splitties back in the day because I think, you know, doing Northwest cross-country, no one was wearing split. Everyone's wearing uh, footy shorts, so canary footy shorts, and you're like, well, they're not hope. So <laughs> everyone, if, if anyone was wearing a watch and splitties, um, you knew they were on. So, yeah, <laughs> that was the rule of high school cross country. <laughs> and so does that apply to uh, the guzzler? You're going to break the splitties out, mate? Oh, definitely. I always break the splitties out. Yeah, I'm a serial splitties offender. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I've, I've got onto the, the on shorts. Oh, they're unreal. Unreal. I mean, they're expensive. <laughs> God, they're unreal. Um, if they work yeah, for Ollie Hall, they can work for you too, mate. Oh, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> Mind <laughs> you, I don't think I can pull the tights off like he can. 
No, no, definitely no. yeah that's not appropriate for most ultra <laughs> runners <laughs> tights are a no-go <laughs> so if someone's wearing tights i'm not following them yeah, so. you, don't, you don't want to look at that for 100k exactly yeah <laughs> uh very good mate well, well best of luck for the guzzler i'm excited yeah thank you please someone actually get across the border and have a race in queensland uh <sighs> Yeah, How was the uh, the mood around the run crew after the Gold Coast got cancelled? A few of the guys were up there quite yeah, early, um, yeah rough, then, rough. Yeah. Um, I think there was, the, I mean, you know, there are a few boys who were in absolutely serious shape. Like Tom DeCano, I just, shape of his lifetime at the moment. He's running so well. And, yeah, racing so well as well. I think he's just been plagued in the past with having rough races having things go wrong and or getting sick before a race and it just would have been excellent to see him get a good race in but i guess wasn't to be um you know same with the boys like benny and kieran tall unfortunately all missed out on racing um despite their best efforts to get across the border (laughs) (laughs) oh definitely that was yeah yeah seemed seemed like a bit of a stolen go but um Yeah, I mean, it would have been excellent to watch them run. And, I mean, Gold Coast itself, there was so many people who were shaping up to run great times. Um, And it would have been nice for them to have some nice weather compared to previous years. Uh, Yeah, but unfortunately, I guess not to be. I think Gary was actually due to do a marathon as well, if I'm not mistaken, Um, which would have been good to see. I don't think I ever seen anybody put themselves in the pain cave as much as him. Or maybe he's putting it on, but he looks like he's hurting more than anyone I've met. <laughs> Practicing what he's preaching. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Mate, so yeah. I, I want to uh, I want to delve into to your brain a little bit. So you're seriously well-educated man. So started neuroscience <laughs> almost all yep. the way through our, our medical degree. I'm sure there's yep. plenty of stuff where we can uh, find out about you know, running as it relates to neuroscience here. So, yeah, I, I, I want to talk about pain, <laughs> pain when we're running. So mm. why during the course of 100Ks worth of trail running yeah. can I experience yeah. very painful joints or very painful muscles? And then that pain magically disappears only to reappear 30Ks later down the track. What's happening as far as my brain is concerned? <laughs> Oh, gee, that's a good question. It's been a while since I've been tested on the neuroscience stuff. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think it's it's probably got to do with most of your attention, to be honest, like what you're focusing on. Um, but, I mean, I guess everybody's aware of the endorphins that are absolutely running around your body um, and particularly high during some parts of the run or not during some parts of the run. I think everything goes away when people cheer as well, which is excellent and is definitely a testament to most of the endorphins. Um, But I think, yeah, like from personal experience, I've had things that have cropped up during races and then gone away. You know, I think state athletics, they put on a a ankle timing race and that rubbed a huge blister. And through for I think 5k that was all I could think about and then as you're getting closer you're not necessarily thinking about it so I definitely think it's probably got to do with shifting your attention but also yeah the it's got to do with the endorphins that are running around your body which are all which definitely help regulate the pain which is a good thing in ultras yeah, sure. <laughs> beautiful beautiful yeah, hormones yeah. there uh, and, and so 
in, in your experience, have you been able to shift this attention uh, you know, deliberately to try to avoid those feelings of pain? Um, I mean, I think luckily enough, I don't think I've ever, I mean, in training, I've had a few acute things that have gone wrong. And I think it's really important to recognize when something is, should be, when you should stop and when you should go. I think that's one thing that everybody's learned the hard way, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I guess, oh, I think for me, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess I've found running more of a, oh, it's a lack of a sound corny, but a bit of a meditative experience. And so you're not necessarily thinking about how your, yeah, how your joints are feeling, um, how you're going, how your legs are going, how your breathing's going. I think it's more of, for me anyways, just sort of getting into a nice rhythm, um, not worrying too much about the clock, not worrying too much about other things. Um, and just, yeah, getting as far as I can get. I mean, like I said, the, the biggest thing for me, and I think it also is, I mean, has become hopefully not too much, but a little bit psychological has been, um, you know, the anxiety around vomiting, the anxiety around <laughs> feeling nauseous. I've definitely talked myself into it a couple of times. Um, unfortunately, I think from a bad family because, you know, that was what plagued my sister and that was what play has or had plagued my brother as well. So I don't necessarily think it's just the physical pain itself, but it's the anxiety around, um, yeah, things like things like vomiting and feeling sick. And, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's good. <laughs> yeah. chat, chat a little bit about anxiety stuff, I suppose. So we've got mm. huge chunks of Australia stuck at home as we speak. Yeah, a couple of lockdowns mm. in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, yeah. why, why is it so important that these people move their bodies and find ways to move from a, I guess, a neurological point of view? Well, I guess, oh, I mean, moving is generally good for you. Um, and I think it helps uh, from a neurological point of view. I mean, from a mental point of view, it helps break up the day. Um, and particularly if it's something that becomes so something like running. And I think most people can attribute that your exercise patterns become a habit and then you start to enjoy those habits and depend on those habits. And if they're, they, I mean, they're good for you as well. They're good habits to have and they're good things to be established. Um, so I think, yeah, like building in those, building in those good habits. Um, oh. I don't think I had to answer that question from a neurological point of view. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's just the, the, the yeah. sort, of, sort of reason, you know. I'm just interested yeah. in, uh, yeah. I guess, in the dosing of those endorphins. Like, should we be getting people to exercise, you know, four times a day for 10 minutes or should they be getting out in the morning yeah. for an hour? Is, is there a dosage associated with this endorphin release? Oh. Not that I know, to be honest. I mean, I imagine, yeah, depending on what suits your lifestyle as well, I imagine a lot of people would have um, uh, preferences. I mean, you know, there's some people that want to go out and do a 20-minute hard workout. There's others that want to just go out and clear their head. So I guess it depends on the reasons that you're doing it um, and what works for you as well. I mean, I know that personally for myself, I find that I enjoy running at the end of the day. Um and I do quite use it as a bit of a stress relief. And I think that it is something that 
not necessarily, I mean, apart from the endorphins that I get from it and the fact that I definitely think that I'm addicted to it, <laughs> I think, um, I think just having something, like I said before, having something that just helps you switch off and just detach a little bit and put things back into perspective as well. And I think exercise has a really good capacity to do that as well mm-hmm. in people's life. It really just helps you uh, disconnect from whatever it is that's bringing you stress and just to help shift your focus onto something. And most people could probably agree that they've solved quite a lot of problems exercising. Um, and I think, again, that written, that would come from, just being able to shift your focus to something else else while you're concerned about something. And I think that's definitely really important given the circumstance that a lot of people are going through right now. Um, And I think exercise becomes much more important when we don't necessarily have as many things to shift our attention away from being at home, cleaning, looking after the cat, looking after the kids or whatever it is. Um, I think it's it's something that would bring people that... um, yeah, a sense of, I guess, sense of freedom, but just, you know, being able to switch off. For sure. I think so. A bit of sense of freedom, a bit of a sense of control over what they're doing as well. So yeah. definitely important at the moment. So, so you're getting close to the end of this uh, medical degree. Mm. Uh, are you the kind of guy who'll stick his hand up on a plane when somebody yells, is there a doctor on this flight? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if there was absolutely no one else and if there was no nurses, then maybe. <laughs> um, honestly, you know, our, our, like our nurse colleagues are just as good at first aid, if not better. Than <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think it would also depend on the situation that I'm comfortable, if I'm comfortable enough. I mean, I could, you know, provide some advice, but um, I think, you know, it's something that I'm not necessarily, like I've been exposed to it in, in mainly like an observational context and obviously having a very much like a hand-holding perspective um, has been, it's been something that I've been um, privy, privy to, but I, de- I definitely wouldn't want to be the supervising person in that situation. Um, yeah, I think it's also really important. And I think that's something that's drilled into us as well. To recognize your limitations. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell's going on with this person. And I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. And I don't know why they want first aid. Then look, I'd be happy to have a look <laughs> and give often my advice, but I can't promise anything. <laughs> All right, good. I like that. All, okay, no responsibility. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I guess uh, talking about race cancellations and, and all sorts of stuff and, and you're, you're in the medical field, I, I want to ask what sort of percentage do we need our Australian vaccination rate to be at before these sort of current lockdown scenarios are the reality? Is there a magical number uh, we need to I, Look, I, I don't think there's a magic number, to be honest. Um, I don't. And, again, I think... Well, I think we're learning from other countries as well. Like, I mean, everybody says, oh, look, you know, UK has got really high vaccination rates, but they've still got lots of infections um, and they've still got lots of deaths, which is not obviously not proportionally as high as if they had an unvaccinated population. Um, and, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I think um, I guess it would be it's important to recognise the fact that the virus has has continued to change as well. And that's going to change our approach to it. 
um, as you know, we've seen with the new strain that's come off into Australia, and that was that required obviously a different approach than last time. Um, and I think it's going to depend on how effective the vaccines are as well, really, against this strain. And I just don't think we really know yet because it hasn't been around for long enough, and then we don't know how quickly it's going to change again and then we don't know how effective the vaccines that we've currently got are going to be so if everybody's you know vaccinated with astrazeneca let's say then we don't really know how effective that's going to be against if we have another mutant strain mm. um yeah so i think i mean unfortunately i think lockdowns might be a thing for a little while just until we sort of get our heads around i mean particularly until we get a you know higher vaccination rate in Australia. Um, but I, again, I think we'll probably learn most of that data from places that have got those strains that are circulating and that have got a much higher vaccination rate than us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we'll hopefully, and I think given the, the nature of the pandemic as well and how I think one thing that's come out of this has been the sharing of information and the sharing of of vaccinations and the sharing of research has been excellent out of this and something that we wouldn't necessarily have had with previous global epidemics um, or previous diseases, really. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we'll yeah, have to just postpone it just <laughs> yeah. to see how we go, really. Um, and again, like I said, I think we'll probably learn more as those, uh, you know, countries like America and countries like the UK get higher vaccination rates um, and then seeing how they go and then, again, seeing how effective the vaccines are and the ones that they've deployed, I mean, with the UK, predominantly AstraZeneca. So it would be interesting to see how that goes in comparison to something like Pfizer or the other vaccinations that are available and what's the best strategy. So, hmm. yeah, no short fixes, unfortunately. No, 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 no of course, of course. Yeah. Right. And, and, and we're very lucky to be able to... Uh, you know, watch what is happening overseas and get our, oh, definitely. Uh, our data from yep. that as well. Um, yeah. I, I guess uh, what I'm trying to encourage is that, you know, people do get vaccinated so we can find out how effective it is rather than sort of. Oh, I agree. And it's, it's just really sad to see. And I just, you know, more from a curiosity perspective, I wonder what it would take for, um, people that have hesitancy towards getting vaccinated it's 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 interesting to know what more they would require mm. um you know what information you know what are we missing like you know what's what have what have we not given them um with regards to you know offering them some sort of satisfaction um but i get i mean look i understand people's hesitancy around getting vaccinated particularly if they're younger and they've got a you know they may have medical conditions already and they may think that they're predisposed to getting the horrible um thrombotic diseases that are associated or disease that's associated with the astrazeneca vaccination but yeah it's it's, it's interesting to know how are we going to get from because i imagine look we'll, we'll probably have no problems given supply and given um the rollout there it sounds like there's you know 90 of people who want to get vaccinated and that's excellent um but i just i'd be interested to know what we have to do to get the extra 10 percent 
vaccinated. Yeah. Um, because it's important as well, and that's important moving forward, even with regards to, um, you know, future vaccinations and future generations of vaccinations, and not just this as well, not just coronavirus, but like other diseases. Um, you know, right. what, do we, what do we want to do? That's an attitude yeah. that, yeah, that needs to be looked at for sure. Mm. And, and I think what you're talking about, you, you certainly can't, you know, force people into having these opinions, mm. but I think no. the information needs to be accurate and, yeah. uh, and, and and well put out into the community so people can make yeah. their own decisions based on accurate information. Um, yeah. And, and then that, that's all you can do. You can provide yeah. people with the right information. So. Anyway, yeah, that, that's that's a big topic. Yeah. Sure. I, I want to yeah. I want to quickly uh, touch on the fact that you're in a, in a relationship with a very very good runner in Hannah McRae. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's gone. She she actually was like, you should get poles, and I was like, no, oh, he's off. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, yeah, I ate my own words and bought poles, and I mean, you know, good enough that. She can use them as well. So, yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> so, and she's giving you any advice on the long stuff, mate. You know, she's a, a well-seasoned 100-mile racer. Yeah, 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 she is actually. Um, oh, what advice has she given me? Oh, I think, look, she just tells me off for going too quick most of the time, um, which is fair enough. And then, yeah, my fueling issue as well, but... Yeah, she's had a few dummy spits. So <laughs> I think she loves a good dummy spit. We've had a few long runs together. We did one the other day from Bunkles. And there was there was there was a few instances where um I yeah, I mean I I'm a uh, I've always been an overpacker as well, whether it's been for you know trips or for for um runs, but I you know decide that look, you know, I might want a few muesli bars or an OD slice or something and I just pack seven or eight enough to keep me out there in the wilderness for several days, which is good because, you know, when we went along together, she thought, oh, you know, that's great. I'll take a litre of water and no muesli bars. And so she was just ravaging out of my back. So, you know, I think, I think um, yeah, we've learned things from one another. Unreal. It's good. Good to be able to yeah. bounce off each other. But uh, yeah, you know, she's definitely. Still, she's still got the, the distance over you at the dinner table, mate. So oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think she's, I, I mean, we both enjoy racing, but she just, you know, I, I just wonder where she pulls it from sometimes because she'll be, she won't jay herself up at all before a race. And then I think last year with, you know, Duval Dambuster as well, she hadn't really prepared that well. And she thought she was pretty underprepared. And, just went out there and smashed her PB. <laughs> I can't do that. So I've got to have six or eight months behind me before I have the confidence to do that. Um, so she's she's an absolute racehorse. Um, and I, I I like people that can have a real have a crack at a race. Um, and I think she does that really well. So yeah, inspiring stuff. Unreal. There's no stopping either of you. Very impressive. Mate, we've got, uh, got the Olympics kicking off in Tokyo this week. What are you looking forward to watching? Uh, Morgan McDonald. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, Morgie, Stewie, the boys that are going over, Ollie. I think this is, oh, look, one of the best middle distance slash long distance fields that we've had in a very long time. I mean, we've got, we, you know, Stuart McSwain's just been gone from strength to strength 
and it I can't can't wait to watch him. I can't wait to watch Morgan. I can't wait to watch the girls as well. God, they're killing it at the moment. Mm. It'll be really good to watch Jess Hull. She's running really well. Um, and the girls marathon as well. Excellent. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm not sure about the form of, you know, Brett Robinson and Jack Rayner and those boys haven't unfortunately had a had a haven't had a haven't had a look at how they're going, but it will be great to watch the women's marathon. Um, and it'll be I think our Australian athletics team is is perfect. I mean, there's other sports in the Olympics, I realize that. But uh, <laughs> this, is, this is running the swimming, podcast, the swimming so. is always, yeah, the swimming will always be there. I'll, I'll probably just watch whatever's on, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. The Olympics is always fun. Yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Uh, yeah. Particularly yeah. the 1500, I think it's going to be amazing. So, oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. But anyway, mate, if people want to, uh, you know, follow, follow you along and check out how you've gone at the Guzzler this weekend, where, where can they best find your stuff? Uh, well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not much of a Facebook or a Instagram. I might put up an Instagram post, depending on how we go. Um, usually cap that at one a year. Uh, but Strava, I'm a serial Strava pest. Um, put up my dog jogs. It's always got to get the Ks up. Um, not quite up to putting the walk to the shops up there yet, but we might get there. But, yeah, give us a follow on Strava. Okay. Um, Simple, simple. That'll be up there. That'll be Social up there. media for athletes. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? Unreal. Oh, mate, yeah, best of luck. harassing turns out. <laughs> Hopefully the taper uh, doesn't, you know, concern you too much and, uh, you know, get out and have a nice slow start to the Guzzler race. Oh, get plenty of fuel definitely. down. Yeah, yeah. And what's, yeah, uh, what's, cool in what's the beer of choice at the finish line? What do you look forward to? Oh, um, I love a good craft beer, to be honest. Um, I don't drink too much because I can't really put too many away, unfortunately, given my frame. But, um, yeah, really like a good craft brew. Really like mountain culture at the moment, uh, despite the fact that their neighbors are heavy. good, you know, 3.5 standard drinks. Very, so uh, very one, of those will, one of those will probably... Um, be a heavy hitter after the race. So. Unreal. Mate, if you're looking for wait. something new, Cronulla Brew Company, uh, new part oh, yeah? of the show. Yep. Got a lovely Ooh. XBA and a hazy on board. So uh, give Sounds it, good. Sounds good. Crack. I'll put one away. Mate, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the show. It's been no unreal, to, unreal to chat. Glad we caught you on your, your uni holidays. And uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been great talking. Guess the life next week, mate. We'll uh, look forward to seeing you at the, the top of the podium. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I've got to get there first. You'll get there. Thanks, Hopefully Anastasia stays away. So <laughs> <laughs> you'll get, get there. the Olympics. Don't worry about the border. It's fine. <laughs> Unreal. Cheers, mate. Uh, Speak soon. Good stuff. Thank you. 